Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken and I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusra. How are you doing today, Amon? I'm doing well, Jesse. I have recovered from the, I guess, sickness that I had. <laughs> Poison from Mother Talzin. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Voodoo magic. Yeah. I have thwarted the attempts of the witches of Dathomir to attempt to slow me down in life. But it sounds like you may have gotten got instead now. Yeah, real bad. I'm running a fever right now while we're recording this. So really means a lot. You know, I get to do this for you guys. It's like a month and my voice is probably not up to its normal speed, but I'm going to do my best today because, you know, back to school week hit hard. My kid just started preschool for the first time and, you know, exposed all those germs for the first time. And then the whole household gets super sick. So we spend the entire weekend in bed. I feel that, man. That was me for like two weeks, but I'm excited because I have recovered just in time for Nova. I'm going to Nova. Incredible. Yeah. We'll probably have some discussions when you get back about that. Yeah, I'm sure by the time this episode goes live, I will be back from Nova, but it is nice. I'm excited. We're going to hang out with Dizzard and Finger Guns from Rogue Support. Dizzard told me to be ready, so I'm sure I'll be drinking quite a bit. Oh, be ready. Okay, I see. I was like, what, what does this mean? Tournament, hangs, okay. Well, we'll be hanging out. We're both playing in the MCP event on Saturday. Okay. And then... If we both fail to qualify, we're going to do Shatterpoint Sunday. So we'll see. Awesome. Well, we might be talking about some Shatterpoint lists today, Amon, because we got a lot of discussion to talk about around the game, tournaments, leagues, kind of like we did a while ago with our kind of analysis of what's been going on in the game. But I think this is going to be a little bit more in-depth because some more time has passed. We've learned a lot more about the game. We've learned a lot more about which archetypes and primaries are kind of excelling. And we've got two Hello There Leagues under our belt now on top of the primary TTS League continuing. So we've got a lot of information from the greater TTS Leagues, and we've also been playing locally that we want to talk about a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Local games, online games, theory crafting. I think, A, it was really encouraging to hear some of the feedback on our, I guess, episode 18, where we had conversation regarding just the state of the game and our thoughts and our experiences and Honestly, like that's my favorite kind of episode transparently. Like, sure. I just love chatting about like experiences and games and things like that. And so I'm really excited that we get to do a bit of a longer form episode today. And, you know, we are shooting off the cuff a little bit, but at the same time, we have guidelines that we're looking at. As Jesse mentioned, we're going to talk about our Hello There League, which just recently ended. Very exciting. And then, of course, the TTS overall league, some of our games there. And then just some things we've been learning and picking up, especially with some of these new units. So I'm quite excited. I am too. So let's just get right into it today. But before we do that, we got some people to thank. Of course, you know, quick blurb here. We've mentioned it several episodes, but we're ending this. We're about to end this course set giveaway. So all you have to do to enter to win this course set giveaway is click on the link below in our show notes and follow us on our social media pages that work for you. The more social media pages follows the better. And that's, of course, everywhere at Hello There Cast. We will pick a winner very soon. and. As Amon said, if you guys just make this link your primary Shatterpoint homepage link, that'll also mean a lot to us because it's a very unique opportunity AMG's given us to supply you guys this link for engagement with the audience to hopefully give more product for future giveaways. 
100%. Hello There is also supported by our patrons, and our patrons support us at patreon.com slash hellotherecast. And we're going to take this time to thank our newest patrons. And very exciting to say that we've got a lot of patrons actually that joined in the last week. So we'll start with our Padawan and Acolyte tier. We have Dennis, Felix, Shivan, and Nathan. And then at our Jedi Knight Sith Warrior tier, we have General Krell, William, Yaz, Jareth, Earl, and Locke36. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. It's amazing. Our Discord is popping. Our leagues are growing. And yeah. I cannot thank you enough. We cannot thank you enough for this support. No. It's truly humbling. First of all, shout out to Dennis. He's one of my locals here. So it means a lot to have a local friend join the Discord. But also, I recognize a lot of these names, Amon, because I've been organizing the next league and I've seen a lot of these names jump in the next league. So it seems like a lot of people want to be part of the Discord community, but want to also have access to our private leagues and some of our other private stuff we have planned behind the scenes on the Discord. So we're excited to have you. And we hope, you know, the Discord enriches your life like it does ours and keeps your mind engaged with Shatterpoint throughout the week with the lulls, right? That's certainly what the Discord does for me. It keeps me excited about Star Wars and Shatterpoint like I need to be, right? <laughs> because I'm always so excited about Star Wars and Shatterpoint. But man, it just keeps, it keeps your brain going, as Mon was saying. It keeps you kind of list building, talking. Also just like, keeps interest up for the game, which is all we can ask for, you know? So we really appreciate it. 100%. And of course, we have our producers that we have to thank as well. So big shout out to Jedi Rusty, Jedi Rich, and Bounty Hunter Brady for holding it down and being some of our producers for Hello There. That's right. And of course, we cannot do the show without our ultimate producer, Sith Emperor Kevin. Thank shout you so out. much, Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. We appreciate you. And... As long as you're the emperor, man, we have no problem living in your empire. Perfect. Absolutely. The first galactic empire and Kevin's leading it. So yeah, and I've been, I've been, once again, Kevin's been awesome helping with the leagues and stuff like that. And the TTS systems on our discord, really teaching people the game, letting people experiment, you know, just being guiding hand in that. So we really appreciate you, Kevin. Yeah. We really appreciate you being an executive member of our hello there family. Honestly, it's amazing and that you've supported us from the beginning and you know, kind of like being our guy. That's right. And Amon and Kevin continue to be top of those Vader leaderboards. We'll talk about that later, which is very exciting. Oh yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that, I'm sure. But before we do that, we would also like to give a shout out to our two partnerships that we have with Hello There. Our first one is with Mr. Laser at mr-laser.square.site, your resource for everything Shatterpoint. Mr. Laser is an amazing guy and he's got some amazing products for not only Shatterpoint, but MCP and other game systems. Here is already offering a very healthy discount. And if you use the code hello there 5 all lowercase, no spaces, with the number 5, you get 5% off your order. 100%. I just placed my Cad Bane and had my order with Mr. Laser the other day. And uh, he promptly got them out the door and they have just arrived. So it's very exciting to just have the consistency that is Mr. Laser at these insane prices. So we highly recommend getting on his website and using the code hello there 5 As Amon and I said, fully transparently, it helps out Mr. Laser. It helps out us when you use that code and it helps us track data as well. So it's all good stuff. But Amon, we also have to thank Imperial Terrain, our number one terrain resource for Star Wars gaming systems, mainly at this point, Star Wars Shadowpoint and Star Wars Legion. Man, the Villainy Village, the Fractured City, the Forest Moon in particular, Amon and I are now getting to use this stuff in person. Get some hands-on games with this, and we cannot recommend these particular sets enough. 
But what's crazy is at Imperial Terrain, they have many more sets that could work for Shatterpoint and a lot of scatter and vehicles, like I've mentioned, that you can help fill out your core set terrain as well. So check out Imperial Terrain and use our code hello there five to get five percent off your digital files to print for your own terrain. Absolutely. And again, the code hello there five gets you five percent off all digital purchases. Yeah, and shout out while we're here, I guess. Imperial Terrain just dropped a new STL for the GOAT. And the GOAT is a ATST-centric cargo walker that lines up perfectly with corset terrain that has like a gantry hang from it. And it also lines up perfectly with the fractured city. So what are you waiting for? You need to have this chicken walker cargo loader on your own board at home. I'm so excited. I'm going to print like three of them. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Also look really good on like an imperial military map as well. Yeah. Well, the idea would be that you take the fractured city and you kind of make it like a metropolitan city that's clearly under imperial control because most perfect, not all of them are, right? Yeah, and so you can true. add those elements like like a Lothal or like a Coruscant adjacent city. Yep. Have a good time with it. Add some walkers to it. So we highly recommend that as a new file on Imperial Terrain. But Amon, we got to get into today's discussion, which is the end of the Hello There Episode 1 League. This is our second league that has now come to a close. We got two leagues that are under our belts, which feels really good. Both four rounds, because we didn't have enough players for a top cut. But four rounds is pretty incredible. Just mathematically, we've done eight full rounds in a full-on league format at this, at this point in time. And this league in particular is really exciting because we had 22 players. Yeah, 22 players was amazing. And like I guess technically we could have done a top cut, like top four. But I think what we're focused right now is less like competitive stuff and just more so playing games with our awesome community, having fun, using this as a space where we can A, like get people more familiar and comfortable with TTS. But then also like it's early days, man. Like we're just trying to spread the excitement and joy. And it's a great place to try new stuff. But of course, you know, we have some really good players in this league. Some people who are always playing like if you go on Discord, it says playing tabletop simulator. It's like, oh, I wonder what they're playing, you know? So it's very <laughs> exciting because we're getting some very high quality matches right. while still growing the Hello There community and then most importantly, the overall Shatterpoint community. No, I agree completely. And like you said, we could do a top cut. That's something we're going to pursue in the future when we get larger numbers because mathematically you have to with Swiss. But also at this moment in time, we would rather our listeners, especially the patrons in the special community we have on Discord, continue to get games. So what that means is if we did cut to a top four, Mon, it'd be the top four players. And then there'd be a lull for some time for the greater, you know, 18 players left. They would have to wait for the next league. and. You know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense right now with what we have, but maybe in the future we can have some top cuts if our numbers get there, and then we can have a secondary league that goes concurrently with the top cuts, you know, so everybody's still getting their games in. That's really what's worked for us in the past at Fury's Finest Secret Wars Leagues, like a uh, consolidation league and stuff like that alongside the top cuts. So it's like, if the top cut is a top eight and lasts a while, people still have games to play. So we'll, we'll re-examine that when we get there and our numbers get there, but 22 players, great start. 22 players, super exciting. By the way, great points, Jesse, on on how we should run our leagues moving forward and, and what's been working for you in other formats. So yeah, this is this is amazing. We were super excited to get twenty two. And some of this some of the data behind this stuff is very interesting. So let's talk about it. Yeah. We've we've talked a lot about the fact that like we are more of a dark side community. I think the community at large is too, Amon, it seems like a little bit in the sense of the power level of dark side now just feels very consistent. That's fair. And I think it goes hand in hand with the fact that like 
a lot of people just love red lightsabers and, and yeah. dark side characters. And it just so happens to be that they are also some of the best characters or at least most consistent units in the game. Mm-hmm. So looking at the data and statistics for our league, the only primary that was not used was CAD. The last week of our league was when CAD and Padme went into the mod. Right. And so transparently, I did use Padme in the last week, but CAD, <laughs> no one no one attempted yet. But I'm sure we'll see a lot of that moving forward. But that will change. Yeah. With episode two of our league starting very soon, I'm sure we'll see a lot of CAD. Yes. Especially because we'll gas them up a little bit on this podcast. So we had the most played primary was Count Dooku with 29 games. That's a lot. It's a lot. 10 total players. So obviously some repeat offenders there. But at the same time, I mean, Dooku being the most popular by a healthy margin just goes to show and emphasize that A, he's arguably one of the best primaries in the game in terms of what he brings to your team. But also that separatist agenda that we love referencing on this podcast. It's just so good, man. It's consistent. It's so good, if not one of the best things in the game, right? We continue to say it. I guess we'll continue. We will just keep that up because the data is pointing to this as well. Absolutely. So Dooku being the most represented makes a lot of sense, but 10 players a month, that's half of our field. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Crazy. Incredible. And, you know, I think it goes to show, dude, like it's that identity. It's reactive. Yeah. Punishes you. So what's really interesting right now, and I think that's why maybe Dooku has consistently stayed at the top, is, you know, we, we talk about, how we're in this meta where aggression is being rewarded, right? Not only are melee attacks generally better and more consistent than ranged attacks, because you don't have to worry about hunker and and stuff like that and cover, but also they tend to be more powerful just in the fact that the people who are wanting to do melee attacks hit like trucks, Jedi, Sith, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Magna Guards, you know, for example. And then on top of that, you have this identity that punishes the opponent for doing what is very effective, right? Because when you wound a unit, as we're all aware, not only is it making them not able to contest points, but it makes their force economy worse as the game progresses. It makes their abilities not as efficient. And then, of course, you know, you're gaining momentum for taking people out. But now you're doing that. And then Dooku, who's already in charge of a very mobile affiliation tag, is like, all right, I'll just get to move move my people even more around and refresh some stuff. It's solid. Let's also not forget, like our recent episode we did, where we were talking about the viability of more force. Duka brings you more force. He's one of the few characters in the game that brings you four force, which just gives you a lot of flexibility with your play and refreshing a force, which is some arbitrary number of more than four, right? through the course of the game, playing Dooku correctly. It's really good. And then when you start taking into account the synergies that the Separatists provide, like, oh, if you're near, you know, one of your super tactical droids, okay, your five dice random attack that you get to make is actually six. Yeah. You know, or your Magna Guard with five dice hits pretty hard because you dash and you swing with your melee attack and that's a bunch of crits on the expertise, right? Yeah, it is. And then obviously, you know, I don't know why Kalani's tree is so nuts, but... (laughs) (laughs) We always got to touch on it. Yeah, he's the crit man. All that to say, it makes sense that Dooku is obviously deserved of his representation in our league. And I'm very curious to see what it looks like in the TTS leagues Mm -hmm. in terms of their regions when it's over. But let's move on to our next character. And very happy with this one. I'm sure I'm inflating some of these numbers myself. That's right. But uh, it's our boy, Lord Maul. Mm, A lot of games. 21. So, so far we've got Dooku Maul as the most played. I wonder if the next one's going to be Dark Side. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> That's a great segue, Jesse, because it's Vader. Yep. You and I have some theories, Amon, on Vader and Maul. We might discuss some more as this episode goes on, but brief one to touch on right now. They're so consistent. They're just so consistent. So like, of course, people are playing them a lot, but of course, our league and the greater TTS league and the greater community at large, local tournaments, they're just doing really well because they're extremely consistent. In fact, Vader is kind of dominating in a lot of ways. So that kind of feeds into the discussion you just brought up, the prevalence of melee, the prevalence of removing models quickly, prevalence of increasing force of your opponent. Maul and Vader fit this thing so well. Yeah, I completely agree because effectively it's a form of control, whether it's control through attrition, which both Vader and Maul and candidly Dooku Mm -hmm. are good at. But then it's also, in terms of what Dooku's doing, it's controlling the points by getting so much movement and so much synergy, right? So it feels overwhelming. Like, we talked about the wave, right? Yep. So it's that separatist wave that's coming. And then with Maul, too, it's so good with his, you cannot run. It's crazy. You cannot run's crazy. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so powerful. And it's always online because you can use your health as a resource. Yeah. And speaking of using your health as a resource, Vader gives you a whole nother way to play the game. It gives mm-hmm. you health as a resource. He gives essentially every model in your list the ability to some arbitrary ability, you know, during their turn that's take damage to add dice to your attacks to give yourself consistency. And yeah, it's really incredible. It's in one of the best identities in the game, I, I would venture to say. And maybe that's the, the theme we're hitting on here, Amon, is Dooku, Maul, and Vader have some of the best identities in the game on top of just being solid characters. And it's for different reasons, too. 100% different reasons, yeah. They all have amazing, unique identities that serve themselves and their lists and their players so well. And, you know, some of this stuff may sound a little repetitive because of what we've talked about in other episodes, but it's just the state of the game. It's it's the meta, right? Yeah, like moment. These three characters are ruling the roost, if you will. And these are the reasons why. And so I'm very curious to see what counters pop up to defeat them and i i have some thoughts and i have some theories and okay. i'd love to you know explore that once we're done with this section here but moving on we get our first light side character and so jesse we'll go ahead and let you take this one well of course it's general obi-wan kenobi quite possibly the best light side character that makes a lot of sense and i say best in the way of if you want to play republic in some fashion, Obi-Wan is probably in your list, whether it's premiere or open format. You're considering playing him because he brings the clones up a lot when they're so low. Like he really just makes evens them out in a big way. And he's a solid character. So the fact that Obi-Wan's next on this list and he's the only light side for for a bit and then we're going to hit more dark side characters makes a lot of sense. But what more is there to say about him? He's great. He's really good. And, you know, his identity is so integral, as you're mentioning, to the Republic. And we said this on A Candid Cantina, which yes. is our bonus feed. but. I really do think the not being able to lose hunkers should have been a clone thing generically. I like that idea a lot. But, you know, alas, it is what it is. But that's why I think it makes it so integral. To me, he almost feels like a Steve from Avengers and MCP because okay. every character in the game for MCP, as the designers at AMG have said themselves, have to take into account how they interact with Steve's leadership when they're released. And so I think it's the same thing with the Republic, but to their detriment, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is good, but with Obi-Wan, it's too good. So we have to make them possibly, theoretically, slightly average or below average just so that they can hit that bell curve that they talk about so much and reference in their interviews in the game. Yeah, well said. It's still very bizarre to me, Amon, that like clones are just the worst health pools, the worst survivability. 
and the worst consistency on their trees of all the supports thus far. That might that might change in the future. I mean, who knows what Rebel Troopers will be, right? But with all that said, if you want to excel with Republic, you have to consider Obi-Wan because it just brings the clones up in a massive way. And if you're playing Republic list, you're probably going to be running most or all clones. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I really hope that we figure that out because I do think, and it might just be, you know, an archetype thing. And we've referenced this again on the podcast before, but it might just be Republic have weak supporting units because their primaries are yeah. so good. I think it's a cool design space. We'll see where it goes, right? Because to me, the design space of Republic feels like primaries that do a lot on the table, supports that don't do a lot, and then you're always force-starved because you never have enough force to do all the things you want to do with your clones or your Jedi. You can't do them both, right? And they have no force refreshing, really, outside of Mace's niche Shatterpoint ability, which is the main thing he does. So at the moment, they seem like the toughest faction to play in the game because they're the most intensive on the decisions you're making turn to turn. I'm not saying like they're not powerful. I'm just saying that if you overspend your force or you make some misplays with your clones, the dominoes start falling very quickly and it's hard to get back in for some time. And, you know, Anakin's a great case in point of this. I'm sure we're going to talk about Anakin later, but Anakin consistently wants an unreal amount of force. I mean, he wants like six force, right? A lot. But your clones want force for defensive maneuvers, right? Your other Jedi in your list wants force. Well, it's not even ta- well, it's, we're not even discussing the secondaries, right? In your list, which clearly want force. So I think it's kind of cool that the Republic is like they're hamstringed by their clones and they're hamstringed by their their force economy. But if you can manage those things well, they're very rewarding and they're very powerful. I think that's what it is: is that it's a high floor to get right. Correct. They're the toughest faction to just like jump into. I agree, which is counterintuitive almost because they're the most recognizable in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Outside from obviously Vader, Luke, etc. So yeah, I think it's interesting. Like I never really thought about it until I or we just organically started chatting about it today is that maybe it's an intentional design choice. Just have weak supporting units because their heroes and, and heroines, right, are so good. Speaking of Anakin, a little side tangent here, but hey, it's the nature of the game. Yep. I did do some homework on that Mace Annie list. I want to hear it. Yeah. This is a good pickup from our this this last type of discussion episode. Yeah. So eight force, first of all, is really, really good. And so I played a game in person and it was kind of like the perfect list to try against. This list was Grand Inquisitor Riva, Fifth Brother, Kounduku, Django, Magna. So the two boxes. But I think it was a good matchup because they're really aggressive. I'm trying to be aggressive. They get reactions to your wounds, your wounding. Yeah, like I'm trying to take them out, but then they get to benefit from that. So it's almost a wash in a sense. So I was like, this is actually the perfect list to play Annie Mace into with Pons, Arf Troopers, Rex, and the 501st. So I guess we played like a box battle almost. Awesome. So over the course of the game, I had access to 28 force. It's a lot. I spent every single one of it. Good. Good. And I still wish I had more. Right. And you weren't even running Padawan Snips or OB2 in the rec spot where you would need much more force. Exactly. And the reason why is because I was afraid of that. Because at first, when we were talking about this last time, I was like, eight force is a lot. In theory, it should allow you to be able to do everything. But it wasn't. And now two of those reasons were because like at the beginning of both my draws, I would do the Shatterpoint card. So then I had to spend a force, sure. you know, reshuffle yeah, it. For sure. And then you have to reserve at least one character at some point, right? So two force was already gone out of the three times we went through the deck, right? Well, and to piggyback off that, you have to reserve Mace or Anakin. They're the type of characters that just have, similar to Vader, 
they have to go at a certain time. They can't go just like randomly. Exactly. Yeah. Then you have to do the defensive maneuvers. And then also it's like the nature of the draw. So I got ARP troopers first. So I was a little aggressive with them. Yeah. Just because I wanted to get some quick points because I was afraid of, you know, I knew I was going to get yanked off and all this stuff. And, you know, Fifth Brother is a menace. So Fifth Brother and Django are menaces. Them together is like nightmare. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. And then they got wounded, obviously, because I played them too aggressively, but I had to. So then my exposes, which I need for Mace and Annie were also expensive, right? Yeah. So over the course of that, and then it was like, I had this really great turn with Anakin where he took out Dooku. And then I had this really poor turn where I did not because I left him on one because dice are going to dice, right? And so even with exposes, so that's the nature of the beast when you're playing aggressive in general. But with Anakin, I just feel like it hurts a little bit more. Does. Because you're relying on that momentum switch. It's like literally part of your game plan. With Vader and Grievous and some of these other characters, it's a nice to have. But like at the end of the day, you're okay if you don't wound them. With Anakin, it's like, I have to get this or I might lose this struggle. And that's what happened. When I got it, I won the struggle. When I didn't get it, it made me lose the struggle, right? Obviously, there's other factors involved. But all of this to say, Mace is awesome because I stuck him in the middle of the board. He did take out Django, which was a great thematic moment. Oh, yeah. Took him out twice, which is awesome. I kept him in Jedi Master the entire time okay. because I knew I needed him as a force battery. Yep. His defensive expertise is awesome. It's incredible. The steadfast bubble literally worked because at one point what happened was I had him directly on the line and then I got the, for the third struggle, I got the straight line yep. horizontally. That's five. So as long five. as he didn't move, everybody contesting those points that are on the inside of those points towards the middle benefited from it. So he's like, why do you keep getting steadfast? I was like, it's five. And he was like, damn, it's so good. You know, my opponent. So good. His name is, his name is Cisco. He's a nice guy, local of mine. I eventually managed to win the struggle, but, and win the game. Again, all that's to say, I don't think eight force is enough for what both of them are trying to do. I think they're both very hungry. I think Republic, as you've mentioned, is hungry by nature. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's what I thought it might be. I think it probably can work. And I probably just didn't play it right because I have more dark side experience than Republic experience. Sure. But I do want to try it again. And like you and I talked about, we're talking about tinkering with those lists even more, sneaking Dooku in one of those spots, whether it's the Mace spot or the Anakin spot or, you know, whatever, and just doing similar concepts. But yeah, I think Republic is just completely hamstrung by force and their clones. And it is a tenet of their design, whether AMG meant to do it or not. And it's really tough to play them well. So I, I've i been putting the time in with them and really trying to figure out, crack that code of the clones and the force being like it is. And Amon, like you said too, little Anakin thought while we're here, brilliantly pointed out to me by one of my incredible opponents in the primary TTS league recently, Spencer, who's one of my favorite people I've ever played in Shadowpoint, continues to be. Spencer talked about how in the forums recently they did a clarification with Anakin's, I'm going to end this. And it's even harder to make it work because AMG did clarify that a lot of the reactions that happen from character abilities and expertise trees happen before Anakin can get off the I'm going to end this, which is absolutely soul crushing. So Obi-Wan's remove a hunker to dash happens before Count Dooku's twice the pride happens. Expertise trees like, you know, Barris can run away. With their expertise tree. The list goes on and on and on. This stuff all happens before his double tap, which also just completely hamstrings him. So I think it's it's kind of feeding the discussion that's going to come up a lot today and came up in our last episode. Anakin continues to be great when he does well, but then when he doesn't do well, he's not consistent at all, right? He's just he's like a all or nothing statistic in this game. So just to clarify, personal effects will happen before I'm going to end this. 
Correct. That's absolutely backbreaking. It's soul crushing. Yeah. You know that meme with the Godfather, like, look what they did to my boy. That's how I feel right now. Oh, man. It's sad, right? But also just, you know, one more point for Gryffindor and Gryffindor being Vader, you know? Is is Vader Gryffindor? Is no. That, come on. But you guys the most Slytherin thing I've ever come That's on. That's the now. quote. One more point for Gryffindor. But yeah, it's Anakin's Gryffindor. Minus five points from Gryffindor. Yeah, my guy. and Vader's Slytherin, of course. But it's the duality of them being the same character and you can't run them in the same list, blah, blah, blah. That's more points for Vader's camp. And he's already yeah. on top, right? He's already on top in the game. So I'm sure we'll return to that subject in a minute. I just wanted to get that little rules clarification out. If you're playing against Anakin and if you're an Anakin player, to start like mentally working around that. Maybe you don't attack a character like a Barris or a Lumi who has an a reposition on their on their expertise tree, right? So I appreciate that clarification. It is it is sad to hear, but it makes sense. And I think I appreciate the fact that AMG has clarified this. And I completely agree with what you're saying to clarify is you're saying that the gap between Vader and Anakin has widened even more. Which is crazy. In favor of Vader, which I guess thematically and lore-wise makes sense. But at the sure. same time, it's it's sad from a gaming perspective because I think Anakin was one of those characters that is falling behind. He is a bit of a laggard. I think we were hoping, transparently, that maybe he could get new life with a partnership through Mace. And I think this makes it a lot harder to play. We'll have to digest that and maybe talk about that more. But let's get back to this league. Well, one more thing, purely logically, they're the same cost. And they're both Galactic Republic. So not only is it just comparing two alter egos of, of the same character, it's they're the same cost and similar role for your team. So yeah, we'll, we'll return to the Vader Anakin discussion more in the future. But just something I want to point out while we're here. But yeah, you did mention General Kenobi having high numbers. I, of course, was one of those people. But per our agreement on our recent episode, I stopped playing General Kenobi the entire back half of the league, or if not more than that. So I'd love to see who's next after General Kenobi, though, Amon. Yes. So just as a recap, 29 games with Dooku, 21 games with Maul, 17 with Vader, 17 with Kenobi. And then we have back-to-back 16 games with Grievous and Windu. Yeah. So I definitely added this Windu stack because I played him every game in the league to learn him this league. That was my goal was to learn Windu this league. Windu's good, man. I think, you know, what's interesting actually is I feel like I've seen some people say that he's not good. I've heard a lot of people say that. I've been really confused by that. I think if you misplay Windu and if you're bad at positioning, then he's not good. Right, because you're losing out a lot with just pawns as well as your only option as a secondary. Yeah. Pawns is the tax you pay yep. for Windu, right? So, and you know, it's really interesting because a lot of people really, really like mobile characters. And I do think Mandalorians, who are probably the most mobile characters in the game, period, actually spoil people a little bit. For sure. I think it's a bit of a crutch, which is why I stopped playing them, was because I realized that if I wanted to get better at this game, I need to stop relying on just spamming Mandos every game and just moving them around because that jump is effectively a way for you to recover from any placement options that or mistakes that you've made, really. Yeah. Right? And if you're not really tight on your placement, because Shatterpoint is such a placement-heavy game, I think you will suffer. And as we said this on the Windu episode, and then I'm pretty sure we said this already on this podcast today, if you're not positioning Windu correctly, if you're not maximizing that bubble, if you're not maximizing that he's in combat, 
then I can see why you don't think he's good. Yeah. But I think that's maybe a player skill problem versus a window problem. For sure. And he's a lot of eggs in the one basket as well. So if you make a couple positioning errors and then he has a couple bad dice rolls, it really starts cascading quickly. Yes. As opposed to like a character that's an eight cost that brings you eight points to your squad, like a Lumi or an Obi-Wan, right? Just gives you more versatility with your building in general of your team. So Mace is just basically like, well, I'm playing Mace, Pawns, Arfs, and I got to play it right. And I got to position Mace right. And there's a lot of easy to play displacement in the meta right now in the form of like Django and Maul in particular. And that is also hugely detrimental to Mace because he can just get pulled off his engagement get pulled off a bridge or something down on the ground. Now he's got to climb back up. There's a lot of things that he's just not very good at because he's just not very fast. So that's part of it as well. He's not slow, but he's just not mobile, right? He's like this slow walking tank that's going to kill stuff. But if he gets moved from his position, then your list starts crumbling a little bit. And then it it really hurts because now your clones have lost their steadfast protection, which... We already talked about this very episode, how much clones struggle without the extra bonuses. So maybe that's why people think that because displacement is kind of easy in the game right now with models like Fifth Brother, Django, Maul, to name a few that seem to be in a lot of lists. Yeah, and they seem to be in the same strike team as well. It's so wrong, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so I think Mace is really good. I do think he requires, similar to the rest of the Republic, I just think he requires a lot of work and reps. And then you start, you can start laying the beat down on your opponents with Mace because you're kind of in control, right? But None of these Jedi are plug and play. None of them. That's the best part. And I really like, I guess how we've come to the conclusion today, or at least spoken it out loud, is that Republic is the hardest, probably, faction to play correctly. For sure. And then I think Mace is one of the hardest primaries within that faction. And it sounds like we both think this to play correctly within the affiliation that is the hardest to probably play correctly. I agree on all points. And not because I've been playing them, but because I've learned from my mistakes doing those very no things. for sure you just got to spam games and you've been doing that yeah no that was a great tangent jesse let's get back to this data though really quickly so we can close out the league data here yep we have grievous also in the same spot as mace just one more player played him over windu and we've talked about this ad nauseum i think you know grievous is such a hard hitter and he plays very very similarly to vader right yes where he can just walk up anywhere on the board he has the movement to do so Him and Vader are the two characters that can both double advance and then slap something out of this cosmos. And they can do that incredibly well. Yeah. And the opposite of what I said about Mace and maybe Anakin, Grievous is a little more plug and play. He is fragile. So that is his detriment. But that's okay if you know how to position well in the game and you know how to remove characters well. Grievous can do that and the fragility doesn't matter as much because he's that nuke we talked about, just targeting the next person, going there, removing them, targeting the next person, and he can do it easily. There's not any hoops he has to jump through because combination of scale, his double advance, and also people just always underlook how good Cunning Warlord is because he can shoot from range five and then reposition. So once again, more mobility as well if you need it. I think a lot of people have come around on come around on him in a huge way, Mon, because I think it's like when he first came out, his win rate wasn't very good and people were kind of down on him. And I think now the community at large is like, oh, Grievous is like very real and very serious. Yeah. And I want to talk about this fragility a little bit here. You mentioned like, you know, he goes up and smacks someone, then he can often get wounded himself. I still think he wins that trade one to one, right? Like you yeah. take out a force user, you get two force back, you recover twice. You know, you don't have to use that recover on yourself if you've positioned some droids near you. But Okay, cool. I took out your Annie, or I took out your Obi-Wan, or I took out your Vader or your Maul, 
you took out my Grievous. Maybe Maul is maybe the only one where I would maybe argue yeah. that it could be in either favor. So let's remove Maul from the equation. But mostly any other primary. And it's like, okay, I still win because I got a battle droid character within four to dash. From another free attack. I get another free attack with Appetite for Destruction. And I get two force and two recovers. And I get a momentum. What did you get? Just a momentum for taking out my Grievous. Obviously, if it's Anakin or others, there's nuance there. But I think he just trades always better most of the time. Unlike these Jedi and maybe in like a Vader or something, you're less worried about Grievous getting wounded, to be frank, right? Because he's probably done his job before he's gotten that first wound, right? So I agree. You can take out a lot of those characters. But most notably, Amon, I think pretty much guaranteed he can take out any secondary or support anytime he wants to. And that's powerful in this game like if you can if you can scuttle over kill a clone and turn off two points that, that those arf troopers are split on or something okay <laughs> you know yeah so he he also just eats lower priority characters for breakfast so i think he's a great character and i think we're continuing to see him because he's pivotal in the separatist list and he, and this vader grievous list going around right now is very powerful as well so i think we're just going to continue to see grievous yeah vader grievous is very strong and, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. But last thing about Grievous is that he's also like, okay, cool. You wound my Grievous. I don't care because I'm probably going to shatter point with either him or Vader. If if I have both, then maybe it's more of a choice. But if it's one or the other, I'll probably going to go with either Vader or Grievous in those respective lists. And so what is he going to do in that sense? Well, he's probably near an enemy character who just wounded him. So I'm just going to clap back. It's so good. Yeah. So that's Grievous. 16 games. That's a lot. It's a lot. Now, rounding out the rest, we've got Asajj with eight players in 13 games. We don't have to get into details of Asajj. We know why she's good. Yep. She's movement. And I still think people are sleeping on both her and Barris. For sure. Which we both love. We've been preaching since day one. Barris is so good. Asajj is so good. Barris is And that so is good. because of, primarily, a lot of it is because of force push. Specifically Barris, but Asajj is good for a multitude of reasons. Yep. But if we're looking at the top seven characters or primaries taken in our league, only two of them are non-dark side which is quite fascinating. But obviously also Mace, Obese is very powerful together, so that makes sense. Yeah, so closing out like those numbers, like you said, I mean, Saj is 13, that's pretty good. But then we quickly jumped down to like Lumi and Anakin at eight and Ahsoka at four. And the honorable mention of one Padme game that Amon played, but it's not really data that we're gathering from this league because she wasn't legal in the league till the last week. Correct. Yeah, so we don't have any conclusive Padme data from this, but it is a bummer, Amon, to see what we kind of suspect. I think a lot of people in the greater community are saying, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying a lot of people in the greater community are saying like Lumi, Anakin, Ahsoka are clearly the lower power level Republic and clearly the lower power level primaries because it seems like Darkseid has a slight edge up on Republic anyways. I don't know. The, the numbers are also showing in our league as well. I think it's twofold, and I do have a quick rebuttal on including Lumi in that conversation. Well, I've got some Lumi thoughts, as you know. I'm just trying to course. be devil's advocate here. I feel that. So I think, again, people just dark side characters are more popular. They're cooler okay. to look at in theory, right? Like, And I mean, it's fun. Like, I get to be the big bad. I get my red lightsaber. Like, don't underestimate the power of a red lightsaber. Okay. Like I'm telling you, Fair. people love that stuff. Now, Ahsoka and Anakin completely agree. I think they are laggards. I think. Anakin will be even more of a laggard now than he was previously because of, unfortunately, that errata, which I'm very glad you brought to everyone's attention. Ahsoka is very good. Like, she's a good primary. She just is not as efficient as some of the other primaries, right? Like, the fact that you can't control... Like, your opponent can pretty much dictate where she goes because of who they're going after, right? So a canny opponent can take advantage 
to your detriment, the Ahsoka player. I think Mother Talzin does what Ahsoka does, but even better. You know, we didn't even talk about Talzin, but she was 11 games, five players. I played her a decent amount. And then the Grand Inquisitor, 11 games, five players, because, you know, we got a lot of dark side fans in our league. But <laughs> Lumi, I think she's totally slept on. Like, yes, I think I've seen some tier lists and I've, I've just, just read a lot and watched some videos where people are saying that she's just not that good. Now, yeah, if you want to put her in a vacuum and compare her unit card to every other unit card, oh, yeah. I can see that thought process. Sure. But in practice, and we've been saying this since day one. We have. Right? Like, the first list that like, I primarily played was Maul, Lumi, All Mandos. And that list is still very good to this day, right? I've just, I just want to try other things. Nature of the Beast, I like to hop around. But also, as a content creator, we have to stay up to date with all the new stuff, right? But that list is perfectly acceptable. That list can definitely win an event. And so I love Lumi. Jesse loves Lumi. He's been yeah. playing a lot of Lumi. I've been playing her pretty much nonstop since she came out. Obviously, I would occasionally drop her out, but I mean, if you look at my Longshanks profile, she is one of my most played characters, right? And yeah, Obi Lumi, so fun, so rewarding to the better player in that matchup. Obi Wan Lumi is the combination of patience with flow of the force with activation order going the correct way. It's very, it's very rewarding. But I played a lot of Lumi the rest of the league, so it's it's crazy to see only eight games because I I think most of these games were me and. I've continued to play her in the greater TTS league as well. So I think Flow of the Force is incredible. I just think her identity is just absolutely incredible. And I think people get hung up on the fact that she is a passive identity. She is a passive blanket character for your list as a whole. And she is not a main player in the story that you're trying to tell. She is not a Mace, an Anakin, an Obi-Wan, a Maul, a Vader. She's not any of those characters that like steal the show with their play. She exists to make your list better as a whole and make you better as a player because if you use Flow of the Force correctly and you outplay your opponent with positioning and healing and order deck control, you can just win because she just exists on the battlefield. The way that I would equate it, think about Apple, right? So there's Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Steve Jobs is like the outward, flashy, extravagant face of the game in Apple, but there is no Apple also without Steve Wozniak, right? Not at all. At least in the beginning. Yeah. That's how I would correlate Lumi. Lumi is your Wozniak. She's behind the scenes. She's not going to be flashy, but without her, your list may not function. Your list may not, you know, do what it needs to do. And so she's your Wozniak. 100%. I think it's amazing. Well said, yeah. She also is a huge mental tax on the player that plays her because you've got so many questions like, which form should I be in right now? How much force I'm going to spend on her turn because she is very force hungry and you never have enough because she doesn't bring, she only brings three. And typically you're pairing her with models that also bring three outside of Mace and Annie. So once again, it's that Republic playstyle. Mon, you're at a crossroads of a million decisions and you can only make so many of them. And which ones are you going to make and how efficiently you're going to play? So I, I think she's very rewarding when you get to know her really well. She just takes so much time to get to know well. Like she's like the Republic yep. thing we just talked about at the top of the show to the max. Yeah. And what I think is actually more telling is let's take a look at win rates, right? Okay. So we talked about who the more popular characters were and the least popular were, but let's look at win rates. So excluding Queen Amidala with 100% win rate, shout out to my girl Padme. Shout out to her. That's like, you know, the outlier. So the true number one win rate in our league is Lumi with 75%. Excellent. Six and two, right? And so, yes, you did pilot some of those games. Yes. But ultimately, she performed the best in our league for whatever reason. And that's telling. Like, if you look at this win percentage, it's all blue. The red is at the bottom, right? Now, there's two reasons for that. One, it's a lot of like mirror matches because they're so popular. So they ultimately have to play one another. So that win rate comes closer to 50%. But then also, 
let's, you know, Mace, 69%. Great number. Asajj, 58%. General Obi-Wan Kenobi, 53%. Count Dooku, 52%. And then every single character after that is below 50. Vader, 47. Talzin, 45. Grand Inquisitor, 45. General Grievous, 41. Lord Maul, with a 38% win rate because he's so popular, right? The math is like strange because it's skewed in a way if we just have, yeah, it's crazy. We have so many more games, but it's like, you know, spoiler alert, Amon did really well with some dark side the entire league. So the math is interesting. And I also think it kind of leads into this, this archetype player style we're discovering Amon where it's like, we didn't have that many Republic players, but all the Republic players we had were Republic mains in this league. And it seems like they did well. And there's many things that come across with that, right? You mentioned the word main. So it's practice, it's consistency. Mm-hmm. And I do think Republic at like played at a very, very high skill level is extremely good in this game. I agree. Takes a lot of practice. Well, let's talk about this top eight real quick. I'm on to give a good shout out to the people that made this top eight and worked hard for these wins. So starting at eight, we have Matt C who played Separatists. Then we have Sith Emperor Kevin seventh place who played vader grand inquisitor mainly but also dabbled in some separatists at six we have kyle jones who played dooku grievous the whole league and did extremely well with it and then we have ben who is one of my other republic bros in this top who played lumi mace anakin and obi and then we have amon who played only three characters the whole league Amon. yeah you know i did get beat out on sos and stuff like that which is fine yeah it's gonna be the nature of four rounds right yeah, Nature of the Beast. But obviously, you do a lot of Vader Maul. Part of that was I was trying to get on that Vader number one leaderboard. And you did it. Thank you. Yes. Which we know that those, like, you know, it's for fun. Like, it's it for just fun. means I've played a lot of it, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm the best Vader player, right? It's for fun. It says that at the bottom of the page. But also, what I was trying to do was flex with Obi 2 a lot and see if he's really, if I was sleeping on him. And fun fact, I was sleeping on him. Mm. I think he's in contention for one of the best secondaries in the game. And I can't think of a list that I'd want to run without him. Well, you know, that's my opinion, but I live a very tough life because I can only take one Obi-Wan. But it's been a lot of Obi-2 lately, not Obi-Wan primary for me. So you ran Vader Maul one game with Padme. Very cool. Vader Padme was, was surprisingly works very well. That's a weird date night, but it works. It works. Mm-hmm. So Amon, you made top four. No slouch. Once again, you made the top again. And at third, we had Zeke, who just rocked this league. She played him in one of the final rounds. Zeke ran Separatist the whole way, mastered it, I swear. And then one absolute Matt, there he is again. He's in the top cut again with Separatist. He even snuck in a Vader game at the very end, which I thought was very cool. But he mainly played Separatist. And then I played... I played Obi-Wan, Mace, Lumi, the whole league. That's all I played. And I mainly played Lumi most games and kind of swapped out Obi or Mace. So that's our top eight. And it just gets better every league I'm on. It gets tougher. SOS gets crazier, right? VPs, tournament points, which are VPs in this game, get crazier. And wounds get crazier. Yeah, I think the highest number of wounds for a person was 23. There's two people tied at that. And then there's two people tied at 22, which is myself and... My boy Emperor Kevin. All these dark side people with these high wounds. I know I had some good wounds this league. You had 21. What are you talking about? It's unusual for me. It's unusual. I, I it's Out here murdering people with Obi-Wan and Mace Wind. It was Mace, yeah. It was mainly Mace for sure. Because my last several games I did not get many wounds because it was all Lumi all day, you know, which is just typically lower wound games. Yeah. I did say that I played Talzin in this league. I guess I'm getting confused with the main TTS league because I never played her in this league. That makes sense. Yeah, and our league started before the main TTS League as well. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. So yeah, that's our Hello There League, man. Yeah, and big shout out to uh, Scarecrow, who got ninth, but I think Amon played him one of the last games, who ran Tulls and Maul the whole way, and he did amazing. It's a dangerous list, man. It's dangerous. It's really good. Tulls and Maul in contention for one of the top lists in the game. And yeah, huge shout out to Scarecrow. We'll mention while we're here, Amon, only two are public in the top eight, and one of them was me. Other one was our good friend Ben here. We get it, Jesse. You're good at this game. It's Republic is lower represented here is what I'm trying to reference them on. But I appreciate the shout out. You're good. Two out of eight. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Two out of eight is really good. A lot of separatists. Yeah. But I also think that that the common consensus is separatists are very good. Very good. And very consistent. And they're fun to play. Yep. They're, they're actually very fun to play because you can do so much. 100%. So I just wanted to bring attention to that. Uh, we had a lot of dark side in our top cut, just like last league. We'll see if that changes this next league. Yep. Now, speaking of leagues, Jesse and I are both in the West League for the main TTS event. Right. And so this has been really fun for us as well, because obviously we get to meet people that we haven't met before. We get to have some amazing games with them. Mm -hmm. And the Met is very different, right? While I will say that looking at the data in general, we have a pattern here. Maul, Dooku, Vader, Grievous, Lumi, in that order, are the five most played primaries. Sure with Asajj right under that and Windu. So actually very similar to our league, except instead of Obi, it's Lumi. Yeah. So seems like our league is similar to the greater it is. TTS League's data. And again, this is just the West, right? That we haven't taken into account Europe or East or Oceania. Oceania. Yeah. But at the same time, that's a lot of data to go through. And looking at event statistics here, gosh, Mother Talzin, 69%. Darth Vader, Ooh. 68%. That's some high win rate. General Obi-Wan Kenobi, 67%. Asajj, 63%. Mace, 63%. Luminara, 56 Maul, 53 Grievous, 50 Okay. That all makes sense and that all tracks because they've got the highest representation. That's why they're closer to 50 mm-hmm. What I find very curious is Dooku is 4 and 8 at a 33% win rate. And Dooku is one of the more popular characters in the league. In fact, he is number two. Maybe the West does not jive with droids. No. It's really interesting. Maybe they don't. Yeah, it's really weird. We're all about capitalism here on the West, you know, so. Apparently. Maybe we're going for Lord Maul. Of course, ignoring Queen, Amidal, and Cad Bane, who just came into the mod. It is very sad to see, once again, consistent with our league, Ahsoka and Anakin at the bottom. It is sad, but you know, ultimately, man, like it's natural. Mm-hmm. It's natural selection, right? Like eventually Oops. over the time of the game, they're going to be characters that are more useful, more interesting, that just jive better. And who knows? I mean, maybe Ahsoka or Anakin can be unlocked or maybe they'll get an errata or maybe something. But right now, I just think it's very, very clear. And I think most of the community sees this as well. They're just not there anymore. Most notably, they lack the consistency that these other primaries have. A thousand percent. There's no world where I'm going to choose Anakin over Obi-Wan when I know that at worst case scenario, Obi-Wan brings me a certain level of consistency. And then you did a great job of summarizing why Vader is better than Anakin, Mm. or more attractive at least, maybe better is not the right word. Easier to use, too. Exactly, yeah. So there are also people talking on the discords where they're chatting about how some of the the rules guys are going to say that you actually can't take Anakin and Vader in the same team anymore. Like Technically, you can now. But that might not even be the case moving forward. It's just what people are saying. I don't I don't know if there's any legitimacy behind it. Okay. But like, if that's the case, then you're never going to put Anakin in your list, period. You're saying like a premiere format? Yes. Yeah, certainly. 
That's a bummer too, because if someone really wants to like in a premier format run like a Vader Anakin, I can see that being really fun because it's like they can always have one of these heavy hitter characters with their secondary Jedi, like a Lumi or a Obi-Wan or something, right? And they'd get through that premier format rule set, which is play every primary once before tournament end. And if they want to play that way, it makes sense they could have Vader and Anakin, but also makes sense for the rules to shut that down. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Yeah, I'm actually reading the thread right now because someone had mentioned as feedback on our Darth Vader episode about how, hey, I wouldn't you know, be telling people that you can technically take them in the same list because it sounds like the forums will be leaning this way. Mm. Uh, my response was it's not official yet. So yep. technically the feedback was fine and it still is to this day technically because it might not even happen. Who knows? But Interesting. That has made me think quite a bit. We only go off of what's official here on the show and stick to it. Well, Amon, you did mention this league. We'll touch on it briefly. And I think a fun thing to do rather than just like jump through this league and talk about all our games because we don't have time for that today. Just some things we've learned and some moments from our games in this league. So I mentioned I've been trying to learn Mace. So I've been learning Mace concurrently alongside our league in this primary league as well. And I've just been using this league as a tool, not necessarily to win everything, just to learn about Mace in the best way possible. And I don't know, it's been certainly helping me do that because I've gotten out of my Obi-Wan comfort zone, not been playing Obi-Wan, been playing a lot of Mace, most notably Mace Lumi a lot. So what are some of the lessons you've learned from that partnership? Yeah, so kind of what I alluded to earlier, Mace can be shut down by displacement in a huge way. So in particular, a list that really cripples Mace, a list we've been talking about since the game's beginning, that Maul, Lumi, all Mando's list, especially got Django in it. It's got mobility, it's got like get out of engagement easily, right? With jumps, it's got pulls in the way of Maul and Django. It's got pushes. It's got consistent damage. So all the things that Mace doesn't want, because um, another thing Mace doesn't like, Amon, similar to what none of the Republic lists like. And I think the Republic lists really don't like the meta we're in right now, because if you can fully remove a model, remove, deal their max damage, even through protection and stuff, you don't get a lot of these cool things that Republic can do. Some of the Jedi things that like Lumi's Flow of the Force, the heal itself, and then also the protection coming into effect. The greatest goal with that protection is multiple attacks going on similar targets and multiple attacks surviving, right? And the protection's stacking up. And like you could like write out a, a counter of how many protections you got off in the game. The higher, obviously, the better you do, which is why I think I think what we want is so important because the hunkers, right? And melee in particular actually help out a lot. But I'm learning that if you can displace Mace, turn off the protection, he's in trouble because number one, he doesn't have great mobility either. And what I've been enjoying about the Lumi Mace is I can kind of, hopefully if I'm playing the game well and my opponent's playing the game well and we don't have too crazy of spikes, I can rearrange the chessboard every turn with flow of the force and stuff and guarantee Mace is where he needs to be and then use Lumi as a control piece. And spoiler alert, you guys know how much I love OB2. I've been playing him nonstop in every list that Obi-Wan General's not in. OB2 can also do his thing as well. And meanwhile, so really just puts all the onus on keeping Mace where he needs to be because I've got other control pieces elsewhere to hopefully hold those spots. So I don't know. It's it's a very feast or famine list sometimes, but when it's in control, it is in control. And you can't you kind of can't stop it. Because combination flow of the force, protection, steadfast, mind trick. And clones that hopefully are surviving being one shot and they're putting out conditions, you're in a really good spot. But of course, the list after a while starts struggling because of, as Amon was alluding to earlier, coordinated fires costing force and all these things and full heal costing three, mind trick costing three. It gets really pricey really quick and it's it's kind of tough at that point. But if you can set up early, early game, it does well. And that's the last thing I'll say on Mace where he really struggles. If you bottom deck Mace struggle one it's kind of like half of what your list done is, does is turned offline because yeah mace can kill stuff yeah mace can refresh you force but that's not what you're playing mace 
You're playing Mace for the identity. And so the games I've struggled the most with Mace, I've learned that I couldn't get to either Mace or my supports that move Mace up the board because they were all bottom decked. For instance, if I've played Rex, Pawns, and Mace, and I've had them all in the bottom of the deck before, that's happened, those three in that order, it's really rough because Mace just is not, he's not in the fight struggle one, essentially. And if your opponent's good, they might have already scored it out, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. It's so interesting, the nature of the beast, I guess, which is my phrase for this podcast, because I've said it five times now, is the fact <laughs> that Republic, a lot of things have to line up, right? Yeah. And it's so hard to be able to adapt from just RNG. I think they're also, I think what makes Republic so hard to pilot is that they the RNG can be so stacked against them sometimes that it's unfortunate. Yeah. It complicates things. It's very it absolutely complicates things. And also keep in mind, too, Mace doesn't have force speed and he doesn't have jump. He just has the dash. So most good, most well-made maps, Mace is not going to be able to get to be where he wants to be, which is he's, he's similar to Vader, Amon. He wants to be on that center point, struggle one, loosely. And if he can't get there, as in you didn't get your supports that move him up the table or something like that, he's really struggling, struggle one. So now, struggle two onward, he's in the game, but now you're playing down, right? Because in theory, you probably lost struggle one because you didn't have a huge piece of your list. But I don't know. I, I like the nature of it, but it's it's less flexible than an Obi-Wan list for sure. Yeah, thousand percent. Well, I had a game recently as well that I think I learned some cool lessons from. So going into the game, I noticed that my opponent was playing the infamous vader grievous list and so i said okay oh boy run run you over we've talked about this list that list is yeah i have yet to play against it but obviously i was aware of it we were aware of it and so i started thinking about maybe some things that could work could not work ultimately what i realized is you have to play what you're comfortable with so i went with my mall Django fifth brother (laughs) (laughs) what a villain here villain i am dark side baby this is the beginning of my villain arc jesse it's those three guys together are just so good. Ooh. What's crazy is like we identified that very early too, which is amazing because it's now so ubiquitous. It's like you have to plan for it. Like if you don't have a plan for those three, you're not winning an event. You might not even win your game, right? No. If they're a good player and they really want to win, like Amon is, they probably also have Vader in the second slot with ARFs, with Exposes on command. That is true, but I did not take Vader in this list because I thought about it. And I said, if I get into a straight up boxing match with my opponent, I probably lose that. Fair. So I said, hey, I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on this list, right? But I said, if hypothetically they do play this list, what gives me my best matchup? And Mother Talzin. Yeah. Responses. Yeah. I need to be reactive, but more importantly, this list by nature, right? And again, I didn't know how he was going to do it, but I assumed that it would be Magna Guard in there. So just by thinking the look, a look at Vader, Magnaguard, Grievous, they're all melee characters. I mean, obviously, we know Grievous has the gun and Vader has the lightsaber throw. Yeah. But they're rarely on that side. So I'm thinking displacement is probably really nice. And I can keep Mother in Wrath form because the fourth tile in is the active ability. And she has a better melee defense on Wrath because she's got that, you know, energy lightsaber we talked about. That's right. Conjured Blade. That's right. So I kept her in Wrath the entire game. I started her in Wrath. I said, I'm not going to change her. And I really want to get these active abilities through because that's just free dash you away from points. Awesome. From away away from my guys. I never got that active ability off once. Okay. Unfortunately, I'll preface with that. But I did use the ability twice in the game just by paying force, which is still very powerful. Mm -hmm. 
So there's a couple things I realized is I don't, I'm not saying she's the counter, but I think that was my general strategy. And ultimately it worked out because what I did is he's going to wound me. Yep. So I might as well maximize off that, right? So I have Maul who can make an attack and then I have Talzin who can make attacks. So that's my reactive. I can potentially punish my opponent during their turn and then Django with not so fast. So what effectively happened during this game mm-hmm. is I had this very pivotal series of events where Vader attacked Maul, wounded him, and it moved on to a point that was unoccupied, but it allowed him to get the two, right? Because it was struggle two, two okay. points. So he wounds Maul, mother attacks, she dashes and attacks, puts like two damage on Vader, nothing exciting. Maul then gets his reaction, right? Yep. Just takes out his Vader. So now his character is wounded, can't contest the point. So I have a Maul and a Vader fighting each other, both unconscious, I guess, wounded on this point. (laughs) So that stops his momentum, quite literally, from advancing. And then he activates Fifth Brother, who I had purposefully left on one health and avoided, because I knew that if he pulled it, I could not so fast and shut off his turn, which I did with Django. So effectively, he got two turns where he lost characters back to back, because his Grievous was reserved. And... That pretty much won me the game. And so I think while I did get lucky and things worked out in my favor, ultimately, I think that list did give me the best advantage that I could because I have a lot of displacement with Talzin, Django, and Maul. I have disincentives to hit me with Obi-2, which was amazing because it pretty much protected Mother Talzin because I was like, yeah, you can double advance and slap me with Vader, but I will will just, you know, not so... Or Jedi mind trick that. And then... Talzin, yeah, the displacement that she can afford, as well as the sheer number of attacks and damage I can put out, was very nice. And so I think it helped me in that matchup. And I was talking to Dizzard a little bit about this. I have to give him a little bit of credit here. I think we both agree that we're both thinking that Maul Talzin is one of the best lists in the game, period. But we also do agree that Vader Grievous is one of the best lists in the game as well. I don't know if it's top three or top five, but I definitely think Maul Talzin is top three, if not top two. Yeah, it turns out doing stuff during your opponent's turn and then stopping them in the middle of their turn is kind of backbreaking. Yeah, it was it was actually silly. I literally told him, I was like, I'm really sorry this is happening. But yeah, got to deal with my responses. Yeah. Yeah, he just act, he's like, okay, I guess I'm going with fifth brother. And I was like, not so fast. Pew. Yeah. And then no activation, no movement, no flippings, nothing. Just dead, gone. Thanks. My turn again. So effectively, you get three turns, right? Because the mall or the Django shooting him gives you a momentum. Crazy. Free turn. Yeah. Just a free turn for you and a lack of a turn for your opponent. Django is a menace. I do think Django does need a nerve. Yes. I think you just make not so fast two force and it's probably fine. He he still is very good outside of that. Make the whipcord two force. Yeah, you could do that That'd too. Be better. Either That'd way. Be better, I think. I think it's very good. I mean, it's fair actually because Mauls is two. Yeah. But yeah. he's a secondary and yeah. I get I get that the I, Mandalorian whipcords are really good, but it's just any round of the game, he can just win a point. Yeah. If you're, play, if you're playing him well, you you focus, you get a free jump, you advance, you pull someone off, you maybe jump again. You just got options, right? Without rolling dice. Exactly. And the thing is, is like you get Maul or Django, whichever one you draw first, you just reserve. And then you just wait until the last opportune moment for you to yank someone off a point and steal it. 100%. That's exactly how that play pattern works for both of them. It's a little toxic, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah. There's a reason why they're so powerful. And if there was a way to track secondary data, which I guess you can in theory with the SPT codes, but not a lot of people are utilizing those, especially because leagues are open now and you can just change your list every week. It's not Premiere. You wouldn't be able to see it. But 
I guarantee you Django would be number one. Yeah, well said. Yeah, he's, in our opinion, he is number one, right, of the, of the secondaries right now. So, and time will tell if that ever changes. My opponent in that game, I just want to give them a quick shout out before we move on, Jesse. Yeah. His name was Justin. I won't share his last name. I didn't get his permission to share his name or anything. But super nice guy, very well-learned player, used to run like a 40K podcast, been gaming his whole oh, life. So nice. very tight, close game. I think I just did my homework, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you and I also have been talking a lot of Talzin behind the scenes. And obviously, we did a lot of work on our Talzin episode recently. So she was very fresh on your mind. All for Dathomir, I guess. But, well, a quick shout out from one of my recent games in the Primary TCS League that I think is worth mentioning and awesome, incredible opponent. One of my favorite people to play thus far I've played in this greater community um, up there with Emperor Kevin, Spencer. So Spencer, I played in the first TTS league. We had a knockdown dragout fight of three struggles, and he took it on me. That was the premier format. So I was playing mixed synergy list with Ahsoka with Mandos and Obi-Wan with his clones. Once again, you guys know that first league. I didn't do anything fancy. I didn't do anything uh, meta or you know tricksy, like mix and match models, throw random models certain places. I just brought boxes as is to learn. So that first league, I was playing, like for instance, Cody a lot, right? But this time... We both have got a lot more games on our belt, and I, I got really excited when we got paired because I was like, oh man, it's like a rematch, you know, from our first game. And Spencer rolled up with Vader, Cad Bane, and Naman. can I tell you how awesome this list is? So he was running Vader with the juice, is what I would call it. It's Vader with Django and Harfs, and then he was running Cad Bane with Aura and Fifth Brother. Mm. It is a powerhouse of a list. Cad Bane, I think, is just an incredible character. We're going to get into him very soon on our show, but you know, we, we got to spend some more time with him to really determine all this, but he's just very consistent and he synergizes really well with models like Vader and others that want to do their game plan because then he gives them benefits, right? With the refreshing of force, with recovers, his ability to jump or to just ping two damage at will when he feels like it is incredible outside of his turn, right? So he's just a really amazing character. And I know Spencer is an amazing player, so I knew this was going to be a tough matchup. I played Lumi Mace with OB2 and Mace, of course, in his Mace box package. I've got Lumi with OB2 and my two 12th clones. I keep drawing heads, I'm on Every time I play two 12th clones over Commandos, people are always shocked. But I'm living that pinned life. I'm living that exposed life. Look, I'm going to pause right here because... Again, I think this might be like one of those hello there takes where people are like, these guys are, are wild. We're wild. Look, I don't, I don't think we were wrong with Barris. I guess the only character that I was wrong with is Maul. Yep. I slept on my own boy right. and I made up for it by playing a crap ton of games with him and preaching his success, right? Oh, Barris, Lumi. We, we shouted from the rooftops, right? From the jump. Yeah. Lumi, Barris. Like we, we love these characters and these units because I think we can see the value, right? Yeah. Like obviously you can tell when a character is very good, but I think finding the diamond in the rough stuff, and I'm not saying that we're doing that necessarily, but two twelfth, I agree. And you know, I did say this on the podcast is that I think they're the separatists. They're really good into separatists and mandos because the pins, yep. it's incredible. They're so good. Yeah. And they're really good into models like Vader, fifth brother, Django, right? Like just pinning those guys making them have to make decisions on how they're going to get out of these pending situations really good. I also love to Amon. I don't think a lot of people think about, I've, I have a lot of experience now with ARFs and 212 together. And what's cool about that is you can kind of get this assembly line or train going of exposes and pins because both of them have the coordinated fires of these respective conditions, but they also ha both have these on their trees. 
So what that allows you to do is it allows you to attack with one of the opposite clones, put a coordinated fire on with the opposite clone, and then go through the tree and put a different condition on. So basically, expose and pins are always out. If you're playing the activation order right and you're shooting the targets correctly, because I also believe that a lot of people maybe are playing clones wrong. They're fishing for damage and it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Clones just don't do damage often, very often. The better thing to do is to split fire with clones and put out more conditions. So case in point, in this game in particular, I shot Fifth Brother, gave him some, a bunch of conditions with the 212th, and then I shot Vader with another 212th, gave a bunch of conditions, right? That's more valuable than putting more damage on Fifth Brother, more damage on Vader through more pings, right? Right. It's a mindset change um, because a lot of the other supports are not like this. Like Super Commandos, Mandalorians, right? They're really good at like killing something if they both attack it, right? In melee. So it's just a reframing. But yeah, I think the Commandos are amazing. I think I run the Commandos in most of my Obi-Wan list just because of the dash is so powerful with scale. The dash from removing a hunker, getting back on the piece of terrain that your opponent didn't expect. But the 212th have been really singing for me lately. And I really just like the squad in Star Wars lore. So it's just a personal preference too. Even if they're lower power level by the community at large, I enjoy them. So I've been playing them. What's cool about this list is if I can shut down the opponent with ranged attacks and conditions, OB2, Lumi, and Mace can all just get into engagement and sustain. And I will eventually score out. And that's basically what happened in this game against Spencer. Spencer got a lot of early wounds on me, which is terrifying. First activation of the game, I ran OB1 to a side point because I got run. Got OB1. First activation of the game, he walks his arfs up, wounds OB1. So we're already in that position of like, okay, I have to play differently. I drew an early shatter point. I do something kind of, I think, unexpected. I, I bring Obi-Wan back to that point because he got pushed off and wounded and wake him up, wound the arfs with Last State of the Jedi. And now Obi-Wan's holding that point for the rest of the game because now I have Mind Trick online, but it does cost three, but now he's going to stay over the rest of the game. The rest of the game was really cool because we were playing on that new Rebel Hangar map. And I don't know if you played on it yet, Amon, but it's a lot of platforms. It's a lot of rethinking how you play Shatterpoint. And there's this one tower in the middle of the map that has the center objective on it. So on that tower, we had, at one point, we had Vader, Cad Bane, Mace, and an Arp. Just all like base to base on this little tiny tower, which is very cool. And the biggest thing I had to do this game was, it was all Lumi all day because Mace only performed one attack in this game to remove Fifth Brother after he'd been given a bunch of conditions from clones, which was great. But it was all about flow of the force. It was all just about moving my clones back to points, getting better about preparing for struggle two and three. Or if I have a turn where I just know I'm going to win the struggle, I'll say, okay, what do I do? What's the most likely objectives that could happen? What I'm going to do is I'm going to split two clones, two separate directions, and probably one of those will flip when struggle two starts, right? So I've been working on stuff like that. Throughout the game, Cad Bane and Vader did so many wounds and Spencer put the heat on. Unfortunately, Django and Fifth Brother didn't do as much as you would think they would because I think there was a crucial moment towards the end of the game where Django pulled Lumi off the side point and Obi-Wan's still over there. But if he gets Obi-Wan off the side point, he scores a little bit and he might be able to win it in a couple turns. But if I don't let him score this turn, I could maybe win the next turn. And that's what ends up happening. He does the Django focus, gets to a higher ground, attacks Obi-Wan, and I'm like really short on force, but I'm like, there's ever a time to spend three force on a mind trick. This is it. And you and I have been singing at OB2's praises. What do you know? Django doesn't get to perform an attack. The point stays in my control. He doesn't score anything that round, right? Those are those are the type of turns that swing you back in a game in a big way, even if you're behind. And I think what I learned from the matchup in particular is Cad Bane and Aura don't even need Vader's identity at all they wound whatever they want whenever they want to. So if you get them in melee and they get to do Vader identity as well, it's absolutely terrifying. And I don't know, Spencer played an amazing game and 
we had this, this neck and neck battle, but I eventually took it in the end and mainly was because of Lumi and Obi-2. Mace actually just kept up the steadfast bubble and only performed one attack in the game. That's wild. But I never shatter pointed with him. That's that's so interesting because there's a, there's a bunch of things you said that I, that I wanted to to respond to, but I didn't want to interrupt you. You had a good flow there. Was that I think a let's talk about that map really quickly with the yeah. hanger. I logged into the CTS thing and I saw that and I was like, I don't want to play this map. <laughs> yeah, I literally looked at it Breaking and I was like, brain. and then my opponent Justin actually popped in. He was like, do you, do you want to play on this map? And I was like, it doesn't look like it's easy for us to stand on. He was like, yeah, let's change it. I was like, cool. So obviously, number one, I'd like to preface by saying I thank everyone who puts an effort and time into creating and adding maps to the mod. Like, Yeah, shout out to Rob Coffee who runs the mod. Yeah, shout out to the Coffee Bros. That's right. At the same time, I also think like that was an amazing labor of what looked like love and 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 stuff but like i also think like in terms of practicality it's like not what i wanted to play in that moment i'll definitely mess around with it but what i think is really interesting is cad and aura yeah like so i know we haven't done our box episode on this yet i'm quite excited and we have padme and cad what some observations i had so in your game particularly i completely agree like aura and cad can definitely like do a lot of damage right they don't really need the bird identity and it's very interesting because it brings this ranged element to shatterpoint that you're not necessarily used to anymore because I think at the beginning of the episode, we talked about this melee-centric meta where it's just like walk up to something and slap it. But these guys maybe could be more action efficient in the fact that they don't necessarily have to plan and work around, how do I get all the way over here so I can do my range to attack? Instead, I can just pew, pew, from afar, which I love. Everyone loves a good pew It's pew. new to the game. We're in a new season. We just it got is. three primary characters with the range attacks, starting with Talzin, in the game. Like just primary characters that use range attacks. It's true. And I think it's very easy for melee characters to, st- to still get where they want yeah. to go because the three by three, in theory, isn't very large, especially when you're starting two in and all the objectives are quite literally within five of one another, sometimes even less than that. But ultimately, I think when it comes to the CAD box, I think that's the one I have the most interest on. I was very down on the whole CAD box in general because, like, I just, for me, I know I live in Texas. I know we got cowboys and I'm all about them. I got a, I got a nice couple pair of yeah. boots. But I'm telling you, I just don't get the hype behind why everyone loves Cad Bane. I get it. I can see it. It's just not for me. And that's okay. You're in the minority for sure. So yeah. I was like, I think. Yeah. I mean, hey, I am a minority. <laughs> I was going to so, say, is, is Cad as a Duros? I'm not sure. I think there's a good amount of Duros in the galaxy. He's the only blue one I've seen. There's some in the cantina. We're having drinks. Okay. Well, so... Jokes aside, like I was like, whatever, I don't really care about this box. And then the more and more I start looking at it, the more and more I start taking, you know, I guess a gander, if you will. I start seeing like the synergies, like the, you know, the formulas start coming down the screen in my head a little bit. And here's some hot takes. Obviously, yeah, I think Cat is good. I do think you have to pair him with a four force user, though. Yeah. To make up for that. I think that's why people are pairing him with Vader, but I think Dooku might be the better option, but we'll see. Aura is really good on paper. I think she's hard to play in practice. I was just trying to like in my head just imagine how things would happen and or like maybe reference a previous game but see what if I had aura in that situation and I think she's going to require a lot of finesse. I'm really sad to hear that the bounty hunters didn't get some airtime. It's always fifth brother's birthday every day of the week. That is true. So it was fifth brother in that spot in this game in particular. Fair. So bounty hunters are interesting because if you just actually take a good look at their card, okay, which I'm sure we'll do more deep dive in our episode, but they're a range five which is incredible, mm-hmm. and six range dice on offense. Good start. 
you get tools of the trade, you know, cost of focus, but you get sharpshooter two or impact two. So you have this great backpoint unit that can chill. You focus. You have a nine dice attack. Might be overkill, but the fact that you're pumping out a ton of shots, right? Like it says characters in this unit have sharpshooter and impact two. So they both get sharpshooter two. So you're going to roll 18 dice from two attacks at range five. Okay, the maximum number of damage you can do, in theory, from the first attack, if they don't have any existing conditions, is five. Okay. Okay. Once you slap on some conditions, that can jump up to seven if you finish the whole tree. Five plus seven, 12. Vader. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's a lot of damage. I'm telling you. So what I decided to do, okay, is I was like, I'm just going to roll the dice and see, and roll all roll defense dice for Vader, and I'll see what okay. happens. I did, I did it three times. I killed Vader each time. Wow. That being said, it's probably not always going to happen like that. I think it was slightly anomaly, right? I think on average, you'd probably get him one out of every three times, maybe two. But I think the bounty hunters are being slept on. Like, they're very good. They have cross era. They can be any faction you want. Yeah. Make them Mandos. Make them Galactic Republic. You can throw on an expose right before they shoot. Make them Inquisitorious. Fifth Brother can enfeeble. It's pretty incredible. Don't sleep on him, man. And 5-4 is not bad on defense. No, they're respectable. I think the miniatures in this box are out of this world, I'm on, but that's what we'll get to in a later topic. I think Cataora and these bounty hunters are all just very inspired in their, what they do. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. I'm really excited to see them. I, I mean, I think I've talked about on the show a little bit, but I've certainly talked on all my old Star Wars podcasts. You guys know the bounty hunters is by far one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. I like it as much as the Jedi, so that should really tell you how much I like it. And frequently in the past in these game systems that I've all played competitively, I have mained bounty hunters. So I'd like to do that again in the future. I'd like to run an all bounty hunter list, see what that looks like, figure it out. If they're going to continue with this archetype of low force with these lists, that's very interesting and refreshing force, but you always have a low amount. I'm a big fan. Also, something I learned from me and Spencer's game that Spencer showed me so eloquently, hit and run on Aura Singh. After a character in this unit makes an attack as part of a combat action, this unit may use this ability. One character in this unit may advance. This is so much better than MCP's hit and run because you're not declaring hit and run when you perform the attack. You're, you're performing an attack and you're seeing what happens. And then you're saying, I want to hit and run. And what I mean by you're seeing, you're seeing what happens, Aura is incredible because she has shoves, she has climbs, and she has repositions all in her tree. Yeah. Super So mobile. you could climb her or reposition her in a position you want to be. And you now you can say, you know what? I want to pay one force and hit and run and score that side point that they thought was completely out of my reach when I'm sniping from range five at a different target. It's nice. I think her mobility is going to be one of her most shocking parts on top of consistent damage she's got a lot to to be happy about she's quite delightful in just the fact that her character card is just so powerful in all of its facets i just want to point out one thing and we'll move on because it's not a bounty hunter cad box review but right defensive expertise you roll one defensive expertise not only do you get a block you turn a crit to a fail that's pretty good aura it's pretty good just one just one expertise guys expertise on cad continues to shock as well. It's all very good, very consistent. And he's got jumps as well, abound. So not only are they good damage dealers, but they're really good at mobility. And Spencer showed to me that in the game and credit where credit's due. I mean, you have these bounty hunters with mobility, you have the powerhouses that are Django and Fifth Brother, and you have Vader doing his thing. And it's a very cohesive, scary list. It's just the combination of Luminar's full heal, 
mind trick, and Mace being engaged when it mattered for the protection stacked up and got me the win. That's awesome. Sounds like a great game and a great opponent. Can't too. wait till we play again. I love I love when I have like community members like that. I'm like, oh, I can't wait till I play them again. It's it's so great. Yeah. So in classic Amon fashion, I'm gonna throw you some curveballs. Okay. As we tend to do on our candid cantinas and our more fluid episodes here. So I was listening to your episode on Rogue Support, where you were a guest recently, and there was some conversation about Sabe. So actually, let's talk about pronunciation real quick. So it's Padme. So I'm assuming it's Sabe. Sabe. Sal. Sabe. Sabe. Yeah. Sabe. Because we're going to get into this in our Padme episode. This is not a Padme lore discussion. But it's a Nabooan like, dialect thing. Padme. Yes. And Sabe. keep in mind, a lot of these ladies, when they go into this servitude to the kingdom, right? That's really what it is. I mean, it's like being sworn in as president or something. A lot of them, yeah, a lot of them take names. It's not their original names, right? Oh. So, you know, Padme is not Padme Amidala. Padme is Padme Nabiri. That's her real name. Amidala is a title mm. slash name that she takes when she becomes queen. It's the name she chooses. It's like it's like an alias to keep you semi-anonymous when your tenure as president is over. In a lot of warrior cultures, like when you ascend the rank of a man or a woman or or a title, like, like the King of England, actually, you can pick whatever name you want when you're the king or queen. Oh, 100%. And I'm... It's exactly that. It's monarchy stuff. It's also like tribal stuff where it's like, if you become the matriarch of your tribe, you get usually a new title. Yeah, you get to choose how you want to be remembered. That's interesting. That's what Sabe and the handmaidens have as well going on. A lot of them have, some of them have their given names, but a lot of them have chosen names for the secret service role. Got it. Okay. So Sabe, yeah. which I love because she is Bay Kira Knightley. So another thing I want to talk about is we have... This interesting secondary conversation in Shatterpoint, right? So obviously, Obi-2, Django, very popular. And then when you look at Separatists, you have like Kalani, clear standout. But when it comes to Republic, Mm -hmm. true Republic tagged characters, there isn't very much of a clear-cut choice. And oftentimes, what I've seen is people just slotting in Obi-2. He's not even Republic. He doesn't have that tag. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So like they're just slotting him in because... He just is outclassing, I guess, other secondaries in Republic. But looking through this list mm-hmm. here, we have Sa- Sabe, mm-hmm. Rex, Cody, Pons, Padawan Ahsoka, Barris. Do you have like a preference? Do you think there is one that is clear above all? I know that Charles, for example, thinks that Sabe is going to be like the number one Republic secondary unit. I agree that she's very good and she's worth... I guess always double checking to see if she's the better fit compared to who you may be originally wanting to take. But do you think she is the clear cut number one choice every time? So no. I guess I'm asking you two questions. I don't think that at all. I think she only fits in Padme lists or handmaiden lists. Okay. Because she makes them better and she fits the point cost in that. I could see a world where you run Sabe and the handmaidens and no Padme. That's interesting for sure. But I think you want them together. Yeah. So to me, she's more of a, a piece in that pie that needs to be there. I think models like Rex are more plug and play. So I think Rex might actually be the best blind pick, the best blanket out of all of them. I prefer Obi-2 the most and have the day since he came out. But I mean, for me, he only took over Padawan Ahsoka's spot because I think Padawan Ahsoka brings, she's kind of like a midpoint between Obi-2 and Rex. She brings a little bit of support for your team with the ratio. She can do the standalone secondary force user hold a side point thing and reposition to other side points when she needs to be, right? So 
to answer it a little more succinctly, I think it's Rex, OB2, and Padawan Snips are kind of tied in the second spot, and maybe then Sabe, and then Pons and Cody are obviously further down. I really like your answer, number one. Number two, I really like how you highlighted this point, and I completely, a thousand percent agree with it. Sabe and the Handmaidens are more of a package, and Padme is more flexible in terms of where she can go. And I think that primarily stems from, as I'm sure you were alluding to, her tactics, loyal protectors, right? Sabe activates, you get three dashes. Incredible, including herself, right? And in theory, the two handmaidens you take. So I like that answer because I've been thinking about that a lot since I heard you on that show. Mm. And and I was like, I think it's a good take. I don't know. And and I, I just didn't know if I truly agreed with it because I don't play Republic like you do, right? And to clarify, this may actually not have been on the show. It could have just been in Discord. Yeah. I'm in their server as well. And I don't necessarily disagree. I just don't have the Republic expertise. Yeah. And my experience with my limited games of Sabe so far, and I, I love her. I mean, I think the miniature is so incredible. And obviously, Karen Knightley is Bay, like you said. And Sabe is an incredibly rich character, which we'll get to shortly in our lore. She's a little fragile in melee mm-hmm. and we're in a melee meta so and her expertise is not so good in melee defensively so i'm curious how to mitigate that but i think rex and padawan ahsoka if you're just looking to grab a model are better than even ob2 because ob2 yes he's incredible yes i yes i love the miniature he's currently my favorite model to play in the game easily without a doubt but he doesn't always synergize with republic because he doesn't have the tag and also to bring this back to the top of our show i'm on he dramatically taxes your republic limited force resource pool and sometimes you just can't do that in certain republic lists right so he's just not an option meanwhile rex is just showing up to the party giving you free dashes giving hunkers out taxing very little force while still being a durable piece that can actually punch toe-to-toe on like people just like oh obi-wan can on top of you know he's a great ranged attacker yeah no he is i i love rex and man does it feel good to pull rex early it just feels so good oh it's so nice I, I completely agree with you, honestly. Like the more that I think about what you just said, like Sabe is better with the handmaidens versus better than with whomever. I completely agree. And and I love the handmaidens as a supporting sure. unit. I know that people have gotten a little bit of they're more critical of them, I think, initially, because I think we're at the point in this game now where it's like if it doesn't meet the standard of fifth brother, yeah, it's not good For enough. Sure. Right. And that might just be a fifth brother problem and not a shatterpoint problem, right? And that's okay. But it is what it is, right? Yep. I mean, I think they're always going to be characters on the bell curve. They just, it is what it is. And that's AMG's design philosophy. And I get it. Like, there's no way you can predict how things will go in the wild. But I like the Padme box a lot, honestly. And I really want to expand on I can't it. Wait. So last time we had a conversation like this, I had challenged you to move away from General Kenobi. And I think we both talked about characters that we wanted to play. You said Mace. I said Mace and Talzin. And I think we've accomplished that. We, we did what we said we were going to do. So I'll pose the question to you again before we close out this episode. Which units, which characters are you interested in trying and doing some homework on? Aside from, I mean, I guess Padme and Cat are fair because we're going to do episodes on For them. sure. But I guess if you had to pick one primary, one secondary, and one supporting unit, they don't all have to be in the same box. What are you interested in pursuing moving forward? That's a very simple answer, Amon. It's very basic, but it's Amidala, Sabe. And handmaidens. Just trying to crack that box because I do think it's very nuanced, very complex to play. And once again, it's fitting right in that Republic puzzle box of who's activating at what times, who's moving another model. Did I pull them from the deck the right order? Do I need to reserve them? I think that box is that to the max in a lot of ways because 
Padme's Royal Command versus Sabe's Tactic versus the mobility of the Handmaidens, but not much damage. The Handmaidens don't do much damage, but they do have a lot of mobility. That's very intriguing to me, and I'm not like really sure where they fit yet. I've got a couple ideas, and I like to try to figure it out, maybe. You guys know, since the Adepticon episode, I was this is the box I was highest on sculpt-wise. I just think it's a very beautiful and inspired choice for AMG to make the particularly Naboo-era, pre-Clone Wars box of the Handmaidens, right? Gives me hope for Qui-Gon. Dude, if they don't announce Qui-Gon, Padawan, Obi-Wan versus Maul, like dual pack at Mini Extravaganza, I will riot. Yeah, 100% Tiamon. I mean, it would be my dream to run this box with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, right? With this box. like, and the, the, I think it'd be a lot of people's and they dreams. they could have synergy. That'd be super cool. That'd be truly a gift. That's my answer. It's really easy. I think I've kind of accomplished all my goals of, in particular, a lot of these. I played every support and secondary on the light side now extensively. So that part's a little bit tougher, but that's why I go with the rest of the box. I, I will dabble some more on the dark side coming up, probably with Talzin. So my dark side answer is Talzin and just all Dathomir, like a thematic but powerful list, I think. If you even go all, even if you go all Dathomirs and don't like lean on the crutch of like Django or Fifth Brother, maybe, I think the list is still incredible. So, but that that makes me point the question at you, Amon. Give us these three characters, starting with the primary. What, what do you got? This is a tough question. And I think the answer is unfortunately just as simple as yours. So I've expressed great interest in Amidala. And so I'll probably do the same. And I think she is curiously made me interested in playing Republic. Ah, yeah, very nice. Yeah. It's something that's so different. I think that's why Mm -hmm. I like it so much. It's chalk it up to nostalgia, chalk it up to a child. This is the first Star Wars movie I'm watching in theaters. You know, that could be maybe what angle that I don't even know subconsciously I'm going through, but it's just also so unique. Like no other game has done this. So I think Amidala, but if I had to pick, I guess you did light side and dark side. Sort of. It's going to be mainly light side. It's Talzin. If I can fit it in, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. I think what I'll probably do is I'm going to mess around with Amidala as my primary for the light side. I think I'm going to go back to some basics here and mess around with Dooku on the yep. dark side. I haven't really given the separatist agenda much time as much as I've been meaning to. And from a secondary perspective, I do want to mess around with Aura a lot. Yeah. I think I'd like to figure out if she's worth her five points. From a dark side perspective, I'm going to go back to Kalani, I think. I never really put him through his paces. And so I'd like to be able to master the understanding of how it works just in order to better play against it. And then from a supporting unit perspective, the bounty hunters. Yeah. Which is so interesting to me because I was very low on this box. That is so interesting. Yeah. But I think from a sheer power level perspective, like I'm very curious to see. And, you know, people are motivated by different things. Like I love Star Wars just as much as I would say I love Star Wars more than the average person. But at the same time, like I'm also a competitive gamer at heart. And so for me, it's like maybe they are cool, you know, like I'm not afraid to say that I can jump on the bandwagon, like whatever. It's there's a reason why it's a phrase people do it. And yeah, I don't know. I guess. From the Separatist perspective, I guess if I was to continue that theme, mm-hmm. the B1s, man, I still think they're really good. And I just think Magna Guard are being re- like replacing them everywhere. But I think, I don't know, I want to mess around with the, the, the Separatists more. But I also keep getting distracted because this sheer release schedule is 
insane. Oh, for sure. And then the fact too that I feel like the B2s are really good, but they've been kind of buried because quite frankly, it's just harder to build separatist lists with B2s if you want to play Dooku and stuff. Yeah. And then on top of that, we have the mini extravaganza schedule that's come out already. And so like I'm looking at this schedule and it's like Star Wars Shatterpoint first steps into a larger world. I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, like, are we getting even more miniatures? Like maybe it's that announcement of like what this empire stuff looks like, you know? Yeah, that would be cool. We're doing a lot of painting stuff. Can't wait. We're going to cover it all in the show. We will. We also got to talk about Ahsoka at some point. Oh, that's coming. Well, I think we have, gosh, rambled enough. Well, that's going to close out this episode, Amon. Let's talk about all the places you can find us because we had a lot of topics in there. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of them came up organically. So I'm excited to share this with the listeners. But of course, you can find us on Patreon because we are supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Hello There patron by going to patreon.com slash hello there cast. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch all at the same place at hello there cast. If you want to follow us on social media and email us at hello there cast at gmail.com. Leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. You guys have been showing up. If all of our listeners left a review, Amon, on their podcast platform of choice, that would be incredible. And that'd be a really good way to support us if you can't support us on Patreon. Yeah, that would be nuts. We are currently at 85. So would love to be able to get 15 more by a week after this episode, by the release of our yeah, next episode. You did do that call for 100. So, And I don't think Spotify, Spotify and Apple don't combine. Yeah, so we're 85 on Spotify, which is my primarily listening. So we're app. over a hundred total, but yeah, I would love to get a hundred on Spotify for sure because a lot of people are finding us on there. So it really means a lot. And speaking of Spotify and music, we got to thank Low Feel for our show's awesome intro and outro music. Banger. So you can find me in Amon a couple places online. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks, and Discord, all at the same place, at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol, also made by Atomic Mass Games and the Marvel Universe. We've got some fun episodes that are happening right now. We've started back in Asgard again, so a lot of fun content around Asgard. So check it out. And hopefully, Amon, my voice will be better and my sickness will be better next time we reconvene here on Hello There. Where can we find you, Amon? First of all, I do wish you a speedy recovery. As someone who's recently gone through this, I totally understand. Thank you. I still got that dry cough, man. Oh. People are like, are you sure you don't have COVID? And I'm like, yes. It's not. I'm just, it's a dry cough. They just last forever. You can follow me, Amon, on all social media at A Man Who Games, Longshanks, Amon Kusro. I do a podcast about Warhammer Underworlds called Path of Glory. We are the number one Warhammer Underworlds podcast. And we talk about competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. Just recently dropped some new episodes, so check that out. And last but not least, I've collected all the bounties on the other Amons out there. And uh, at this moment, I've got a fistful of credits, so I'm pretty excited. Well said. Well, until next time, may the Force be with you. So uncivilized. (laughs) 